Jesus has a heart for you. He came to rescue us from darkness, to bring hope to the hopeless, to reconcile marriages and families, to make the dirty clean, to heal the brokenhearted, and to give us new hearts. These are the things that make Jesus' heart beat faster. Good morning. Everybody good? Man, that last song, I literally thought I was going to start running around the church, man. Thinking about the love of Jesus and the fact that he loves us. Did somebody leave this for me, by the way? I don't know. I'm just kidding. I do know what that is. But just to think about the fact that Jesus loves us in the way that he loves us, um, that he gave his life for us. And as we were singing that song, man, and, and I was just thinking about the love Jesus has for me, I just want to encourage you, like today, right where you sit, God loves you, he has a plan for you, and he desires to use you in ways that you cannot imagine. And I just want you today to be encouraged that the God of the universe loves you more than you could possibly imagine. I think a lot of people here probably can't let that sink in because of things you've done or things you've thought or things that have happened in your marriage or with your children or whatever it may be. But the reality of it is that in God's amazing mercy, he loves us today. Amen. That's not part of the message. That was just something I wanted to share with you. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to be there today. Um, Today we're doing a little bit of uh, something different. Um, One of the things we're doing differently is that uh, you got several things when you walked in today. We usually only give out an announcement card, but today you got several different things. And I want to just run through a couple of those things with you. One of them is you got a a couple of invite cards. You see the little invite cards? They've uh, blue cards that were attached to your announcement card. Listen, one of our core values in our church is invite. And one of the things we believe is that Jesus has invited us to a relationship with him and Jesus has invited us to be a part of his church, the people, the body of Christ. And we want to invite people um, to come and experience him. We want to invite people to a relationship with him. Um, he's our example. We want to do the things that he did. Take those cards, man. We want to give you an opportunity just to put that card in somebody's hands. Invite them to church. Um, um, invite them to come with you. And, and, and this is what we believe, that God is going to be here. We believe his word is true, that he is faithful, that we're two more gather in his name, gather around the gospel and his purposes, that his presence will be there. We want to ask you, invite people that you know who are far from God. Don't go to another church and stick these on like the windshield while they're in church. That's not... It's not what we're talking about. There are tons, thousands of people who don't know the Lord who would... Uh, Uh, need to experience his grace and his love and the power of who he is and we want to ask you to invite the second thing you got and this is a little different this could be a train wreck just a warning but you got a a fill in the blank um, sheet normally we don't do that normally have a few points and preach from those but today there's a lot of information I want to cover with you and some stuff that I really want you to be able to take away with you and I knew we'd be covering a lot and so what I wanted to do is make sure that you guys had an opportunity to take this with you um you can fill in the blanks listen you get bored you can just look forward to the next blank you get to fill in so give you something to do but um really want you to to grab hold of this today and grab hold of this thought that we're going to be talking about and so, uh, so grab hold of that. Last thing, as you leave today, you're going to see some tables set up. 
that are opportunities for you to sign up to be what we call connectors. It's people who serve in the church, who are literally building up the church of Jesus Christ so that people can see his glory. If you're not serving, we believe this is so important and so vital, not just to his church, but to your discipleship and who you are. You're gifted, and you're going to hear that today over and over again, that you are gifted to impact the world, to transform the world for the glory of God. When you leave here, you can go to one of those tables, look and, and listen, Whatever kind of floats your boat, man, you sign up and you get uh, plugged in and, and, uh, and we want you to be using the gifts that you have. So you can sign up out there, meet, you can meet some of our team leaders and area leaders over different areas that we serve in. So it's going to be awesome. All right, now the good stuff. First Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. Um, I want you to understand Paul's writing to the church in Corinth. He's writing to a church that if you ever really wanted to see a messed up church, you should go have gone and visited this church. Um, there was some crazy, crazy stuff going on. One of the things that was going on is that the people were abusing spiritual gifts. They had become um, something that was divisive in the church, more than something that was building up the church. And Paul writes in chapter 12 to begin correcting a lot of these things. And, and uh, he begins to try to show them the right way to use gifts. It was It wasn't to exalt an individual or to say, look at this gift that I have and you don't have this. You're a second tier Christian. He's writing to them to try to correct this so that the gifts will be used for what they're intended to be used for building up the church. So we're going to read verses uh, one through seven and we're going to pray and we're going to jump in here today. And my prayer is that God would impact our hearts, that he would just do something incredible in our spirits today. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. It says, now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. It's Paul saying, I want you to understand these things. I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now listen to this verse. This is our key verse for the day. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity, God, that we have today to be in your word. God, I do believe with all my heart, that it's living and active, that it's sharper than a double-edged sword, God, that it does divide our hearts and our thoughts, God. And I pray that today you would do an incredible work in us, God, through your word. Holy Spirit, come now. I pray that this message would not come with persuasive words, God, but with the power and a demonstration of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, this week on Twitter and Facebook, I put out um, a little question for you guys. And some of you responded. I appreciate that. It's always a little embarrassing when you ask a question, nobody responds. So um, glad that some of you responded. And my question was basically this. If you were to come home today and there was a box on your doorstep, what more than anything else would you want to be in that box? All right. Y'all go ahead and think about what that would be. Think about it. What would it be? You're the number one thing. And I wanted to share just a couple of things that I got from uh, people who saw that tweet, tweet, tweet and who saw it on Facebook. Um, one was, and I, and I like this one, a blank check from some rich person. Can't be that, right? I mean, just a blank check. Just write it for whatever you want. Number two, tying in with number one, our new building so we don't have to set up and tear down anymore. 
Yeah. That's like if you've ever done that, you give every week to one and one, right? And so you're constantly giving. Yeah. And, 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 and so those two pretty much tie together. Number three, one and a half million dollars to break ground and one and a half million for missions. Oh, and maybe a magic pill to make me skinny. Matt Wise, I don't know why you want a magic pill to make you skinny, but whatever. Um, another one, an un- unexpected present for no reason at all from my sweet husband. Do not let me forget that because that was my wife, okay? So don't let me forget. I need to put that in my to-do list. Um, uh, an endless supply of yarn and fun fra- fabric so I can craft forever. I have a hard time relating to that one but whatever I mean like you've got a box right and you can have anything in it and the thing you say is yarn and fabric I'm like what this one was a little funny and a little depressing a girlfriend wife soulmate someone to love and be the perfect match for me in other words a miracle (laughs) but humorous and depressing at the same time We sought them out, got them counseling. We want you to know that they are okay. (laughs) One near and dear to my heart. Cheese and eggs, cheese grits, bacon, and white toast with coffee and water from Snookies. Amen to that, right? (laughs) Amen to that. Since the closing of Snookies, which was my father-in-law's restaurant, we have about gone broke buying groceries, right? So Snooky's opening back up would be a great uh, gift for us. But here's the thing that I, I saw in there. I saw a lot of different things, a lot of cool stuff. And, uh, but, but the one thing I thought about as, we were, as I was going through those and I was studying this week and just thinking about things is if you came home and there was a box on your doorstep, the one thing you wouldn't do is walk past it, would you? No. You, you know when you come home and there's a UPS package on your doorstep, you're like, what is it? What is it? You get so excited and, and, and you would not walk past this package. In fact, you would want to tear into it and there's some questions you would have about this package. And that's really what I want to talk to you about today because the thing I want you to understand and the thing I want you to walk away with today is that you are gifted. God, if you are in Christ, God has given you a spiritual gift. He has gifted you to do things in his kingdom and to do things for his kingdom that are for his glory. God has given you a gift. Here's the tragedy that I see in the church every day. So many people go day after day after day without opening the gift, without using the gift. And today I want to kind of play off of this gift thought to ask you some questions and maybe to answer some questions that you might have about spiritual gifts and about your spiritual gift. Because at the end of the day, I want you to walk out of here knowing I am gifted and I have a gift that I should steward and I have a gift to offer to the church. So you are gifted. The questions that we'd have about the gift, number one, you can write this down, fill in the blanks, whatever you need to do, take notes. Hopefully it'll help you. Um, number one is where did it come from? Wouldn't that be the first thought you had? It's like, there's a package by the door. You walk up and you're like, where did this thing come from? Did it just appear to have a secret admirer? Right? How did it get here? 
And what I want you to understand, going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, is that your spiritual gift, what God has gifted you to do, what God has called you to do, the very thing that God desires for you to use is from His grace and the Holy Spirit. Isn't that cool? I hit the first. That may be the only sentence I actually fill in the blanks today. But we got the first one, right? It's, it's from His grace and His Holy Spirit. I want you to understand this. That if you are in Christ, you need to remember that if you are in Christ, you have been gifted. You have received His Spirit. And with His Spirit came a gift for you to utilize in the church. See, the gift came through grace by this amazing investment that Jesus made on our behalf. This amazing investment that Jesus, who gave up the the glory of heaven and took on the, the, the flesh of man, and he came and walked among us, and he lived a perfect life for us because we couldn't live it for ourselves. And then he invested his life into ours by going to a cross, shedding his blood, taking the, the sin of the world on his shoulders, God judging the sin of the world in him, and then him being buried, dead, stepping out on the third day, coming back to life through the resurrection power of Jesus, ascending to heaven, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession on our behalf. Jesus made a great investment in our lives. A great investment. And it's through his grace that we have received spiritual gifts. Gifts to be used for his glory. Next is the Holy Spirit. When Jesus cleansed us, the Bible says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, by his sacrifice, cleansed us of our sin and we have been forgiven. We have been made perfect through him, not by anything of our own, but by the free gift of God. We've been made whole and we've made perfect. And then once we were cleansed by Jesus and his sacrifice, he sent his Holy Spirit as he promised to live in us and the Spirit endues us with power. Man, I am spitting a lot today. If I hit you, I am sorry. But but he endues us with power and with these gifts that we're able to use for his kingdom. And listen, here's the thing that we should rejoice in and we should see is that when we become a follower of Christ, not only have we been made perfect, but the God of the universe also lives inside of us. And that God of the universe living inside of us clothes us with power and we were clothed with power in the name of Jesus. And listen, we are laden with potential to change the world. You see that? I don't want you to leave here today without seeing the full potential of the church when the church is lived and the power of the Holy Spirit. We've been given a gift by God's grace. Number two, if you walked up and you saw this package, the second thing you would probably ask is, what is it? What is it? Let's be honest. How many of you have ever wondered about your spiritual gift, right? You've wondered like, what is my spiritual gift? What? What am, I, what am I supposed to do? And some of you stayed awake at night going like, what's my calling? What am I supposed to do? I don't know what it is. I don't know. How many of you have taken surveys to see what your spiritual gift is? You're like taking all these surveys. And then every one of them you take, you get something different. You're like, I'm so confused. But we, we always wonder like, what is our spiritual gift? What is it that, 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 that I'm supposed to do with my life? How am I supposed to spend it? Well, number one, a spiritual gift is an ability that is a result of the Spirit of God working through you. 
It's an ability that is a result of the Spirit of God working through you. I want you to understand that. Listen, a spiritual gift is very similar to a talent. It's an ability. But the difference is a spiritual gift is given to you by the Spirit of God. It may even enhance a talent. But a spiritual gift is used to bring glory to God and for serving the church and other people. But we come to Christ, we're given this spiritual gift. And here's the question that so many people have. How do I know what my spiritual gift is? Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 3. It sometimes humorous to see like how bad we, we struggle with what has God called me to do. And yet I think the Bible makes it so simple. Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says, For my, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body. He's just telling us, listen, y'all are a bunch of different people. You got a bunch of different gifts, but all those gifts work together to form one body, to build up one body, which is Christ. So in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If he's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it diligently. The first way I believe you discover what your gift is, do what you're good at. Just do what you're good at. And we make it so hard, but like, what are you good at? Are you good at putting things together? Man, every week we put together hundreds of feet in pipe and drape. Man, you will go bonkers if you like putting stuff together. Is it children? Then serve with kids. What are you good at? Is it shaking people's hands? Man, my brother-in-law can talk to a fence post and make it feel welcome. Man, this perfect place is greeting. Like he, he's amazing at greeting. I get in front of one person. Like I don't mind you guys. Like I can do that. This is more comfortable with me than standing in front of one purpose because I'm like, I don't know what to say. And I don't even know what to do with my hands. I don't know. I look them in the eye and then they look me in the eye and then I look at them. And I don't, you don't even know. Man, if you're good at greeting and making people feel welcome, make them feel welcome. Do what you're good at. Just get involved. Get plugged in. Start doing what you're good at. Paul tells us in these verses in in Romans 12, um, verses 3 through 8, he says, but do this. Think about yourself soberly. There's a lot of people in here have been the opposite of sober, right? You don't use good judgment. You never made the best decision of your life when you were tanked. Just saying, right? And so he's saying, think of yourself soberly. And what he's telling us is this. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. You're not Jesus. But don't go to the other extreme and try to hide behind this false humility and this thing of thinking, I can't do anything. Because God is very clear in his word that through his spirit, he has given us gifts that are to be used in the church. Think of yourself as you ought. And use your gift. Do what you're good at. I would tell you this. If we constantly harp on the fact that I'm not gifted. I don't have anything I can offer. I don't have anything I can do. It's really a slap in the face of God. You are gifted. We are the church. 
The same church that Jesus said the gates of hell couldn't stop. Not all the forces of hell and death and Hades and everything else can stop the church when she's moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. Period. Nothing can stop the church. Not because we're so good, but because he's so good. Not because we're so gifted, but because he's not short of gifts. My goodness, the fact that I can stand up here and do this is is a testimony to the goodness and the giftedness of God. Because I can tell you that apart from the Holy Spirit, I got nothing. I got nothing. But somehow for about the last seven or eight years, God, every time I stand up to open this word, gets me through. And it's the same thing for you. Step in confidence knowing that God has called you to do something. That there are things you are good at. And there are gifts that we need. Jesus needs. The church needs. For you to use in his kingdom. The second thing I would tell you in discovering your gift. Is just to fulfill the greatest commandments. Jesus made it real simple. Real simple. He said listen. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, all your strength. And he said, love your neighbor as yourself. What I found in my own life is if you want to know what you're good at, if you want to know what your spiritual gift is, do that. Love God with everything you have because this is what I know. You cannot love Jesus more and love people less. And then you will begin to desire to serve people. And you'll begin to walk in your gifts. And you'll begin to recognize, this is what I'm good at. People will begin to confirm you. Like, you're really good at that. You should do that more often. Man, when you greet, man, your face lights up. Man, when you serve, your face lights up. When you help people who are in need, your face lights up. What are you gifted at? What are you good at? Just start serving. I thought about this this week when I was um, trying out for the high school football team. Um, middle school went out for football and, and really didn't know. I'd played um, little, little league football, but I didn't really know uh, what position I would be playing. And here's the thing, though, that didn't happen. They didn't line us all up on the sideline and say, when you have a revelation of what position you're supposed to play, go out onto the field. Right? Like we didn't get over on the sideline like everybody's praying like, oh God, show me. Show me what it is you want me to do, Lord. Like we didn't do that. Now they put us out on the field. We started trying different positions and then we found the position that we were the best at. For some of us, it was sitting on the bench, right? But at least you knew like I'm not any good. I should do something different. Try another sport. The good news for us is like, none of us are supposed to be on the bench. God desires to use all of us. God has gifted us, equipped us, desires to use us. Why would we not let God use us to advance his kingdom? Why would we not? Why would we hold back this gift? Why would we not use the gift that God has given us? One of the ways you find out, man, is you just start doing. I can tell you this, for several years, I, uh, I was a youth pastor and I can tell you, and there's Chip sitting right here on the third row, man. He can tell you there were so many times I would tell people like, I'm not a youth pastor. And they were like, man, you do a great job as a youth pastor. I'm like, I'm not a youth pastor. And they'd be like, but you do such a good, I'm like, I'm not a youth pastor. But the door that was open was youth ministry. 
So I just did youth ministry. Now in doing youth ministry, I was able to check that off my list. Like, I'm not a youth pastor. And it was such a freeing day when one day somebody walked up to me and goes, you're not a youth pastor. It's like, thank you, Lord. I'm not. I'm not a youth pastor. But I just had to get in. I had to get on the field. I had to begin to see like, God, what have you gifted me to do? What have you called me to do? What makes my heart beat a little bit faster? And when we begin to invest and, and just begin to do this universal call of God to love him and love people and just to get involved where there's an open opportunity, we begin to see the things that we're good at. Number three, another question we'd have about a gift as we began to open it and we began to see what it is. How do I use it? How do I use it? A couple of Christmases ago, my mom gave me one of those Keurig coffee makers. It's just a little drop of dew from heaven. You know what I'm saying? It was awesome. And it not only came with the coffee maker, but it came with this little sample thing of coffee. And so I was like, I wonder what that one, this is Christmas morning. I wonder what that one tastes like. And so I'd pop it in there, make it. And I was like, all I got to do is push the button with a cup under it. This is incredible. So I drank that one and then I was like, I wonder what this one, you know, tastes like. And so I got another one and I put it on there and I pushed the button and it did it again. It was like every time it did the same thing. But I kept looking at different ones and I would get it and I would say, I want to taste this one. And so I'm drinking. After like three or four cups of coffee, I was like this, man. But I was so intrigued by this Keurig coffee maker, but I had to figure out how it worked. I mean, what, how to use it, you know, it was just different, but I loved it, man. I still use it now. And the thing about it was like, I was hopped up on some caffeine. I was ready to go. I could have probably ran like a 15 minute 5k. Um, I would have died afterwards, but, um, but man, it was awesome. But I had to figure out how to use it. How many of you hate to read instructions? You just hate to read instructions. Like Christmas time, your kids get some gifts, you know, you know what I'm saying? And you putting them together. Like for some of you, that is the closest you come to losing your religion. Like if you could lose your salvation, that would be the closest like you would possibly come, right? It's putting together toys. The closest I've come to losing my mind, I think in my entire life was putting together a rocking horse. Several years ago, put together a rocking horse, didn't read the instructions, put some pieces on before I should have put them on. And I'm trying to stretch these strings to reach this stupid little pole and the little springs wouldn't, wouldn't reach. And, and so I'm pulling on it. And finally, and just so you know, I'm not that holy. I punched the rocking horse in the nose. <laughs> I finally just couldn't stand it anymore. I was like, stupid rocking horse, wham, you know? And I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, rocking horse, but... It was so frustrating, so frustrating. And you know, here's the thing is like, if I just read the instructions, it would have been so much better if I just read them and, and I wouldn't have made the mistakes. And, and here's the thing, we've got to know how God calls us to use our spiritual gifts. And in this, I was, I was reading this week and, and came across the scripture in first Peter chapter four. And I love this scripture. It has now become one of my favorite verses because in first Peter four, verse 10, it says each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So God's instruction book gives us some hints about how we should use our spiritual gifts. The first one, number one, is that we should use them faithfully. He says, faithfully administering God's grace. We should use them consistently. The word for faithfully literally means the manager of one's house. He's saying, 
Be a good steward of what God is giving you. Manage what God's gifted you with well. I wonder how well we're managing the gifts that God's given us. Are we faithfully using God's giftings? Because God has gifted you to impact the world, to transform the world to the glory of God. Use it faithfully. Number two, sacrificially. He says, use it to serve other people. Just as plain as day. Use it to serve other people. Here's the thing. Very few people woke up this morning and the first thing you thought of is, who can I serve today? Right? Very few people woke up and your first thing on your mind was, I cannot wait to serve other people. It's just not how we think. It's a supernatural work of God that takes place in our heart that begins to make us desire to serve other people. And because it's not a natural thing, there's something that takes place in us that it has to be sacrificial. And when we begin to offer our bodies as living sacrifices to the Lord, holy and pleasing to Him, God begins to do something in our heart. We're not earning it. We're not, it's just saying, God, I'll do what you want me to do. I love you. I want to be your hands. I want to be your feet. And He begins to use you to impact the lives of other people. Sacrificially. Laying down our lives for the good of others. Is that not what Jesus did for us? That he laid down his life by his choice to serve other people. So we use our gift sacrificially. The third one, going back to 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Paul tells us in that verse that our spiritual gifts are for the common good of others. So we come to a place where we use our giftings, the things God has given us, for the common good of other people. And that goes into number four. Where do I use it? Where do I use my gift? Because I think we could agree that it's important not just to know how to use it, but where to use it. So like, for instance, here's an example. Hair dryer. Important to know how to use it, right? Also important not to get in the bathtub with it. Okay? So it's important to know how to use it, and it's important to know where to use it. I just want to tell you, point blank, from everything I can see in Scripture, everything that I see, God calls us to use our giftings first and foremost in His church. In His church, I want... Man, this is one thing I love about being a pastor. I understand this and I realize this. If you read the New Testament, you see this. Jesus loves his church. He loves it. Listen to these verses out of Acts chapter 9, 1 through 6. These ought to pump you up. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation. I remember when I was little and I would go out to the ballpark with my older cousin. I was probably seven or eight. He was probably about 16. And we would go out to the ballpark and there was always some older guys out there. And, and I wasn't very good compared to them. Um, they were a lot older than me. But my cousin, man, he could stand up to them. And they start talking smack to me. But then I'd be like, can you handle this? Because what they didn't know was he was also a black belt in karate. And I'd be like, can you handle this? 
And he would handle it. And listen to this in, in Acts 9, 1 through 6. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. So this is Saul, who's later going to become Paul. He's actually persecuting and going after the church, trying to destroy the church. Now, this is the man who ends up writing a large portion of the New Testament. So he's going to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found anyone there, he belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Listen to that. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. So here's Saul going to persecute Christians, which would be us, those who are in Christ, those who have placed faith in Jesus and his sacrificial work. He's going to arrest them, imprison them, kill them, beat them, whatever it took to stop the spread of this religion called Christianity, which is not a religion. It is a relationship. And he's going with the mindset of, I'm going to stop it. On the way, he runs into Jesus, bumps into Jesus. And Jesus doesn't say, Saul, why are you persecuting my people? What did he say? Why are you persecuting me? Is it not an awesome thought to know that when somebody or something messes with you, Jesus has your back? Is it not? I mean, we just sang the song that I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. Is it not a comforting thought to know that no matter what happens tomorrow, Jesus has your back? back that Jesus stands before you. He stands behind you. He goes before you. Listen, it is an amazing thought to think that the God of the universe has our back. Why? Not because of what you've done, but because he loves you. He didn't say, Saul, why are you persecuting My people, he said, why are you persecuting me? And I want you to understand that Jesus loves his church. Why does he love his church? Number one is because it's the people. It's his people that are the church. So many of us have grown up with mindsets like this, that that the church is a building. It might freak people out when we didn't have a building for a little while. Everybody's like, well, what's going to be the church? you. It was one of the things I loved about being portable. I'm over it now. So if you want to give a big check towards the building, that's cool. But that I loved about being portable was that we couldn't look at a building and say, there's the church. But what do we all say when we come to church on Sunday morning? We say, I'm going to church with the mindset of I'm going to an establishment, I'm going to an organization or an institution. And this is the thing you're really coming to. You're coming to a gathering of people that Jesus loves dearly, who are going to worship his name and hopefully be encouraged in the word. That's the church. You and me, we are the church and we are gifted 
to transform the world for his glory. Do you see the potential in a group of people who are empowered by the Holy Spirit and are gathered around the gospel of Jesus, working towards one cause to bring as many people into the kingdom as we can so that we can be built together by the Holy Spirit as a holy temple that rises up and gives God glory. Man, that ought to get us excited. We have that type of potential because of the work of God. He loves us because we are his people and he loves us. Because the church is how he brings himself glory. Ephesians 3, 7 through 10. These is really my life verses. These are the verses I go to. I write them constantly in my journal. It keeps me reminded of what I'm called to do as a pastor and as a minister of the gospel of Jesus. In Ephesians 3 verse 7, it says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I'm less than the least of all God's people. Listen, he looked at himself soberly. He's like, I'm not all that, but Jesus is all that. He says, although I'm less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. And listen to this first. His intent was that now through what? The church. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. What he's saying is this gathering, and you can look, look, look to your left, look to your right. Might not be a whole lot of glory there. You know what I'm saying? But God says, when I build you together and your Holy Spirit indwells that gathering and you're gathered in my name, I'm going to do such an awesome work in your heart and I'm going to do such an awesome work in your life that people are going to look at you and see my wisdom that has overcome sin and overcome death and they're going to see my glory. That's a pretty awesome thought that you and I are called to be the glory of God. With all that said about Jesus loving his church and that the church is how he brings himself glory, then we can see very clearly that where we use our gift is in the church. We use our gift in service for the building up of the church. Some more favorite verses that I have in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Some of you have Ephesians 3, 20 memorized. It says, to him, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Like we love that. God can do immeasurably more than all we could ever possibly think, dream, imagine. And we quote it often. But listen to verse 21. To him be glory where? In the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. The place that I see God do the most, immeasurably more than we could ever think or imagine, is when we come together as a body of believers surrounded by the gospel or surrounding the gospel and God begins to move in our midst, I'm telling you, the potential of people who are running with the gospel, empowered by the Spirit, is unimaginable. The last one, number five, what am I going to do with it? What am I going to do with it? A, a question that I think plays off of that and that I want to ask you, and I really want you to think about this, is what's hindering you from using your gift? What's hindering you from using it to build up the church of God, of Jesus Christ, that people would see his glory. What's hindering you from using that 
Here's some thoughts and some things that I believe in that I've seen over the last few years that I see where people are hindered. Number one, you're burned out from serving with wrong motives. There are many, many people in here. You're burned out from serving with wrong motives. Some of you have been in places where you just, you know, it was used up. And what happened is you began to serve because you had to, not because you got to. And there's a huge difference in that. Are you serving with the right motives? Are you serving out of love, not to get love? Listen, we don't serve to be saved. We serve because we are saved. It's not to get something. And listen, we don't want you to serve here in this church because we want something from you. We want you to serve because we want something for you. We believe it is a huge part of your growth and also the building up of the body. And I can tell you this, and many of you know this, that when someone stands up on a Sunday morning and you know that you greeted them, you know that you parked them, you know that most likely you are blessing their children by ministering to their children while they were in the service. That, that, that As they came in, you handed them a, a card, an announcement card. You said hello. You welcomed them in. Whatever it was, you know that when you've done that and someone stands up to receive Christ, that there's something that just gets your heart beating a little faster knowing that man God used me to be a part of that change if you don't man check your motives check your motives we don't want you to serve if your motives aren't right and here's why not because we're like you won't do a good job you can do a great job if your motives aren't right But if our motives aren't right, if our heart's not in the right place, the challenge then becomes this. It ends up doing more harm than good. Because we're not serving out of love and out of gratitude for God's love. We're serving out of guilt. And we're serving out of an attitude that says, I have to. I want you to serve because of what God's done. And out of a heart that says, I want to give the same extravagant love that God has given me. Number two reasons that many people don't serve is your past. Your past. So many people feel disqualified by their past. And to that, I would say, let me be your example of that. If God can can clean me and make me well enough Not by my own um, decisions and my own workings, but by what he's done in my life through the, the, the sacrifice of Jesus. And he can do it for anybody. I can tell you when I used to, when I first started following Christ and I would go and I would serve in different ministry areas. I was always paranoid about somebody who would walk up and go, ain't you that guy that used to do so and so? Well, yeah, it actually happened to me. I was working a retreat one time and I sat down at a table with a guy and he looked at me and he said, don't I know you from somewhere? And I was like, oh God, I hope not. <laughs> he was like, don't I know you from somewhere? I was like, I don't know, man. And he goes, yeah, yeah, you work for that company so-and-so. And I was like, yeah, I do. He's like, I talked to you on the phone. And then I couldn't stand it anymore. I was like, sir, listen, I promise whatever I said to you, I apologize. And however I acted, I apologize. I'm not that person anymore. The thing I would tell you, if you've come to Christ, you're not that person anymore. God has cleansed your past. It's cliche and it's kind of, you know, we don't like to say it a lot now because it's kind of, eh. But, man, it became cliche because it's true that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called, right? And so... For us today, we need to realize that, man, when we come to Christ, we're a new creation. The 
old is gone, the new has come. And God desires to use us. The third one is that you don't see the value of Jesus in your own life. You don't see the value of Jesus in your own life. And I would ask you, is Jesus a drawer in a chest of drawers? In other words, have you compartmentalized your life to the point where you've got your work life, your church life, your Jesus life, you've got your your, uh, wreck life, your family life, you've got all these different areas, and Jesus is just a drawer, or is he the whole chest of drawers that the rest of your life fits into? Does he hold that value in your life that you recognize that Jesus holds everything together? And the reason we might not serve if we don't have that revelation of his value in our life is because until we recognize his value in our lives, we won't recognize the value of Jesus in the lives of other people. If he's not changing our heart, then we probably aren't going to care a lot about Jesus changing the hearts of others. Number five right there, you don't realize your purpose is tied to a greater purpose. Here's the reality. God has a greater purpose. It's bigger than us. Yet our purpose is intrinsic. It is essential to fulfill his purpose. God spoke everything into existence. The reality of it is that God could do it all by himself. Yet God comes to this place of saying, I'm going to do it through you. And where I know our mind has gotten kind of twisted in this and kind of messed up in this is that when we think about serving God and advancing his kingdom, somehow we come to this place where it becomes a burden. And and rather than something that we're like, man, I get to do this. I get to serve the Lord. I get to serve his people. That's where I know, man, that, that religion has become a weight on our shoulders and our relationship with Christ hasn't become something that frees us to love him. Do you realize that your purpose is tied to a greater purpose, that God desires for you to be a vital part of his church, of his body? Number five, and I believe this is huge, man. You, gotta, you, you really need to, if you're asleep, and all y'all, y'all wake up, this is good. This is, what, this is one of the biggest reasons people don't serve, they don't get involved, they don't use their gift, is that you've lost hope in the church. You've lost hope. In the church. And can I say this? We've given you good reason. Right? I see on Facebook all the time. You want to get some chatter started? Say something bad about the church. Because here's the thing I can tell you. Everybody's ready to jump on that bandwagon. Everybody's ready to slam the church, the body of Christ. And we've given good reason. We haven't loved people well. We haven't served people well. We made it about us and not about God. We made it about us and not other people. But this is what I want you to see is the opportunity that we press hard into God. And God not only begins to change individual lives, but he begins to change a culture and a mindset about his church. What an awesome opportunity. Not just that people's lives are changed, but that those changed lives are built into the church of God that we raise up and people begin to look at the church and instead of looking at the church and thinking, I really don't like the church, man. Look at the church, man. Let's, let's, let's bash the church. The church begins to gain a different reputation because we actually represent the heart of God and the church that he loves and we become the radiant bride that he desires to make us and then we begin to give people a different taste of Jesus and a different taste of church and then people's lives 
continue to be changed. It's an awesome opportunity to be used by God. I want you to understand something, and man, I mean this with my whole heart. When you serve, like those of you who right now you're wearing these fluorescent orange or yellow shirts, and, and, and you've been in the parking lot, and you've been directing cars, and you've been trying to figure out where to put them all, right? And you've been directing cars, but I would say this, that you're not just directing cars, man. You're directing people to a new way of life. You're directing people to an encounter with Jesus. The people who are standing there shaking hands with people as they walk in the church. You're not just shaking people's hands. You're shaking the world for the kingdom of God. People who are greeting, you're not just greeting people. You're not just saying hello, but you're tearing down walls for folks who walk through the doors who many times haven't been to church in years. Those of you who put on the orange shirts and you minister to children, you're not just rocking babies. You're raising up the next generation that's already impacting this generation. And I want you to see that it's bigger than us. It's it's, It's eternal. It's making an impact. It lasts forever. You're not just sucking it up and going through the motions. You're making an impact in people's lives. I wanted to share something with you. It's really awesome. I got this email, a link to this Facebook message that was on Facebook last week and a follow-up email with that, And I just wanted to read it to you because I want to encourage you that, listen, if we're willing to do the great things, we'll see the kingdom things. Let me explain that to you. Because most of you, if I said, will you do the great things so that we can see God's kingdom advance? You would say, yes. But when you go and you look at what Jesus thought of as great, he said, listen, if you want to be the greatest, then become the servant of all. Right? In one one, uh, account in the Bible, Matthew chapter 20, the mother of James and John, which don't do this, moms, like don't do this. The mother of James and John comes up to Jesus and says, can my sons, can they sit at your right hand? He's like, you don't even know what you're asking for, lady. Hush, leave me alone. And then he says, listen, if you want to be the greatest, then become the least. He says in Mark chapter 9, if you want to be the greatest, then become the servant of all. And we start seeing, man, that if we're willing to do the great things, the little things, the least, and it becomes about loving God and loving other people, connecting unbelievers to God and believers to each other, what an amazing opportunity for God to do incredible things. Listen to this, because I want you to understand that it makes a difference. This is a Facebook message. It said, visited Connection Church today, and I have to tell you all that I've been in in and out of churches my entire life. And it's been a long time since I've not only walked in and felt that totally awesome, your home feeling, but also been so caught up that I didn't realize what time it was and was happy when I, and was happy when I left after having to make the kids leave. I do believe I will be back next week. Smiley face with a wink. Guys, don't do that. If you haven't visited, please do so. It's unbelievable. One thing I want to point out about that. Last week, we had 1,003 people here for church, which is mind-boggling, right? 
On the day that we had the largest attendance that we've ever had, someone who hasn't been in church in a long time walks in and says, I felt at home. It tells me it's not the size of the church, but the heart of the people that makes people feel welcome. How awesome is that? Man, it makes a difference when we're here to serve others. The email, uh, because we emailed and asked if we could use the Facebook message. It said, hey, I'm totally fine with him using my Facebook post anytime. I've been spreading the word about connection to everyone. And after my post, one of my friends and I were messaging about it. And she said she would like to meet me there this Sunday. She said she'd been thinking of visiting connection and that my post made up her mind. She was impressed with the way you all check in kids with the music, with the dress that is acceptable and the fact that the demographics were so awesomely varied. I cannot express how impressed I was and I have to tell you that tell you that neither of my babies wanted to go that morning. They tend to be nervous around groups that they do not already have friends in. But the first thing out of Kylie's mouth, oops, I guess you might know who it is, when we got into the car was mama. I probably pronounced it wrong, so. Um, Can you get me here a little earlier next time? She even told me twice Sunday afternoon that she wanted to go back to church soon. I prayed that they would enjoy it, so it would be somewhere, and it would be somewhere that they wanted to go and had fun going, and they did. And that was a huge worry lifted from my heart. I had that love for church and learning about God when I was their age, and we lived in Warner Robins, and I actually rode a bus to church every Sunday with a busload of kids I didn't even know. And I was super shy like my children. But it's been a long time since then and since I felt that just, and and since I felt that just walking up to the building. I felt him when I walked up. Is that not crazy? I felt the presence and love of God when I was walking up to the doors of a high school auditorium. There's, this is so cool. I felt him when I walked up. I know it was him because I'll never forget how his presence felt the night I was saved 20 years ago. There is no running from it or ignoring it. I cannot believe how awesome connection is and how it all works like going around a wheel, blending the message and starting from one point and it all flowing right back around full circle. Please pass along my praises to everyone who helps to make it happen at Connection message last Sunday was absolutely perfect. I could have left that out, but I couldn't. (laughs) It was at the perfect time also for so many reasons. See you Sunday. I read that. Listen, man, she mentions connection several times, but it's not about connection. It's about Jesus being lifted up. It's about the body of Christ coming together and building up the church that people can see the glory of God. I want you to see the potential of the church when it is united around the gospel and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we love God and love other people. I can't imagine what it would look like for a thousand people to be so passionate about God that it overflows into loving other people in that kind of way. Can you imagine potential of the church you can say well listen a thousand and three that's great but it's not about the numbers and you know what it's really not until that number represents somebody you love and then it's all about that number you are gifted 
God desires to use you. If you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells you and has put a gift in you. Let him use that gift. Let's pray. God, thank you for today and for the opportunity to serve you, Lord. Thank you for loving us, for giving us, God, the chance to know you. And God, what an awesome privilege to know, Lord, that we can be used by you, that you desire to use us, God, that we are gifted as your children. Lord, I pray that right now you would speak to someone's heart. God, I just believe that there are other people here today who've been running from you and who know, God, that you're calling them and that, God, they're, that they, they know you've spoken to their heart and you're drawing them close to you. And God, I just pray in a mighty way that you would speak to them. Draw them in, God. They would simply receive your grace today. They would quit running and realize they can't outrun your love. God, I pray you would unite this body of believers, this assembly, this church, this group of people to do immeasurably more than we can think or imagine. And God, it would be for your glory.